You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, final hour on this Tuesday, Cinco de Mayo. And I said, are we having tacos today? And lo and behold, Cinco de Mayo tacos coming up. Braised chicken. Uh-huh. We came in this morning and I said to Paulie, because the other Danettes are at home, I said, it's going to be tough to do a show today because it'll be hard to concentrate. Man, does it smell good in here. Not as good as maybe the Italian sandwiches, the uh, Italian beef sandwiches on Friday, but it's really close. Hmm. Oh, that's right. The Danettes missed out on that as well. Yeah, well, we'll uh, we'll let you know how they taste in about 40 minutes from now. You're the Michael Jordan of foods. <laughs> You're just rubbing it in. <laughs> Mm, yeah, McLovin. I'm cooking some nice soup here, Dan. Ooh. Some soup. Do you cook soup? Well, you open the can, you throw it in the pot. I mean, yeah. I didn't know if you cooked it. You heat? I think you heat soup. Yeah, that would be more heat. <laughs> Talking about the heat and the heat. All right, final hour. We'll talk to Mike Florio. I don't know how he is going to spend his Thursday night, the three hours that they have for the uh, schedule release with the NFL. Man, I give it to the NFL full speed ahead. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200, man. They're just like, we're going straight ahead. We got football coming up here. All right. Maybe you do. And here's your schedule. I want to know what happens if you don't have a 16-game schedule. Where do you take the games from the schedule? Do you take games that are non-conference? You got to have the, the games within your own division. I'd be curious about that. Let's say you have a 12-game schedule. Let's just worst-case scenario... Do you work your way back or from front to back with your schedule? That's what I'm curious. If I have to eliminate, let's say, two games or four games, how am I eliminating them? No games in Mexico City. There's no games in London. So we'll talk to Florio about that. He'll join us coming up in a little bit. And as sports fans, we've been put to the test. We love competition. And ESPN is really putting that theory to the test because I watched – Korean baseball. I did. Samsung Lions, who I, I had the under uh, against the NC Dinos, and the NC Dinos beat Samsung 4 nothing last night. And look, this is an interesting experiment we have for sports fans now. And, you know, if you're trying to get young kids to watch baseball, will young kids watch Korean baseball? They have the bat flip. Hey, Skippy, let's watch the Korean Baseball League. They encourage a bat flip here. You know, there's no brushback pitches after a bat flip here. I go back to the early days of ESPN. Australian rules football. I have no idea what the rules were, but I'll be damned if I didn't watch. Come back from the bar and you're like, what's on Australian rules football? All right, the guy in the white trench coat. Yeah. And we'd watch. Darts. We'd watch. It'll be fun. I don't know if it's a distraction or not, but, you know, give it a go. I'll take a spin with the Korean Baseball League. And uh, entertaining, entertaining. Avery in Florida joins us. What's on your mind, Avery? Hey, Dan. How are you doing? Good, sir. Um, so basically, I'm at work. I'd make it quick for you. I just wanted to thank you for a lot of these guests that you bring on. I'm, I'm 20 years old, and a lot of these guys have never had a chance to listen to them speak. So it's very neat. The questions you ask them gives a lot of insight on what they've experienced in whatever profession it is they've done. And I'm a huge, huge just 
I'm obsessed with golf, so hearing Brooks Kepka this morning was pretty special. Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah, I like him. I I think he's got a good personality. What do you do for a living, Avery? I'm going to school right now. My my dream is to be a PGA uh, licensed teaching pro, and I work at a private course over here in the Tampa area right now. Oh, nice. Any famous peoples come through? Uh, a certain, <laughs> I won't tell you where I am at exactly because I can, I can lose my job for that, but a certain quarterback of the Tampa Bay Bucks is a number. Has he been there? He has. I was five feet away from him the other day. <laughs> How was said Hall of Fame quarterback his golf game? Uh, he's the most athletic dude i've ever seen in person I, I it's no understatement he's as lean as anyone i've ever seen and he's got just a hand-eye coordination just fluent you know brings the club head back and swings through it he's just something else to see he didn't ask for any advice he, he's getting lessons from the teaching program. Oh, okay okay all right. Uh, but he's got to get ready because he's got that match. Phil Mickelson, Tiger, Peyton Manning, and the quarterback who belongs to this course. Maybe he'll, uh, maybe he'll use a few of those tips that our, our guy gave him. Nice. Nice. Well, Avery, thank you for the phone call, and I'm glad that uh, we're entertaining you. Of course. Thank you again. All right. That's uh, Avery. Works at a golf course, in, and I know that golf course. Uh, where a certain quarterback is a member there. Yes, Paul. Sounds like Avery loves himself some uh, Tommy. <laughs> Giselle's going to be upset. Mm. Well, yeah, he's the most athletic guy. I wouldn't say Tom's the most athletic guy. He's so lean. He's lean. Wiry. Oh, when he takes the club back, oh, his pass parallel. He keeps his arms so straight. <laughs> so straight. Oh, what is wrong with us? <laughs> what is wrong? Tom. What is right with us either? So uh, Tampa Bay, I saw where two trademarks have been filed for the Tampa Bay Gronkineers. Now, we came up with the Tampa Bay Gronkineers. We didn't want to go back into that sensitive topic of Tampa Bay, but uh, I saw where Gronkineers, people have filed for a trademark. Yeah, uh, Seaton. I don't think that's anybody official, though, by the way. I think that's people trying to jump on the like, mm. second wave of that. Did we make a T-shirt yet with the Gronkineers? Oh, yeah, weeks ago. Oh, okay, I thought we did. Yeah, I, yeah. I just, we didn't get a cease and desist. That, that usually, you know, if I know we've done something that uh, successful is going to unnerve somebody, I get a cease and desist. The very end of the Tampa Bay uh, lawsuit controversy, we were selling <laughs> pairs of the you could get Tampa Bay and Gronkineers together as a bundle. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I haven't gotten a cease and desist in a while. Yeah, please. With Gronk's lawyers, it wouldn't be cease and desist. It'd be, bro, chill. <laughs> That'd be the official letter. Bro, chill. Yeah, the Gronkineers. God, I still laugh at the Tampa Bay. When I told my wife, I said, uh, I got to cease and desist. And she goes, why? And I said, Tampa Bay. And she goes, Tampa Bay. And I go, we made T-shirts for Tom Brady going to Tampa. And she goes, oh, that's so corny. I go, Exactly. <laughs> That's right, right up my alley with my audience. It's corny. Like, who would come up with Tampa Bay? And then she goes, what, are you going to comply? And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to comply. But I had to read portion of the cease and desist. And then I said, let's make a T-shirt off of something that was in the cease and desist letter. That uh, his, and his name is Tom. 
His name is Tom. His number, his number is 12. His last name is Brady. I said, Seton, we got to do his name is Tom t-shirt. Yes, Fritzel. And didn't we put somebody on the back? We appreciate the enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> well, they were very, very nice. And as McLovin said, hey, this law firm is no joke. And no. No, they're no joke. And we certainly respect that. They did their job for Tom. Uh, they, they did say that we appreciate your enthusiasm. <laughs> I said, hey, we got our T-shirt here. We got another T-shirt. And you can check out those T-shirts, by the way, at uh, danpatrick.com. All right, we got a poll question. We stand with that poll question there, McLovin. Well, yeah, I'm still surprised. Uh, if you could start a team with any center after 1985, who would it be? Uh, Shaq was the answer. Can I ask you that same question? What if it was college centers and you put in Ralph Sampson into that conversation? Who is the best college center during that era of centers? Um, I didn't think Ralph was a great center. I think at 7-4, you'd not seen that before. I, I just... And it's not fair to Ralph because it's hard to live up to that, literally and figuratively. You're 7'4". I just didn't find him as dominating. Didn't you have that showdown with Samson and Ewing? Yeah, that yeah. was an 82-83 season. Yeah. So, uh, Ralph Samson in college, he averaged 20 points and 12 rebounds basically for four years. Yeah. I, I just I found him to be an athletic big man. I didn't find him to be... Like Ewing was such a force. Al Sindor was such a force. Bill Walton's such a force. Like these were true great big men and intimidators. I always thought Ralph, he may not have had that personality that he wanted to, to crush your spirit. And, and, you know, if he played now, he'd be poor Zingas, wouldn't he? We, he'd be a stretch three or whatever they call him now. But, um, now I put, I'm trying to, I'm sure I'm leaving out some centers, but if you know, Elijah one was spectacular, he just was both ends. He just so graceful. Yeah. He, Alcindor was graceful. Akeem was, had better footwork. Like he had a point guards footwork there. And, uh, you know, I would probably take him. David Robinson was wonderful when he was at the Naval Academy. You know, there's a few, and then I'll leave them out. Like, Tim Duncan wasn't a big man. Like, you had to go out of your way to find Wake Forest. And uh, and then you'd watch and go, oh, okay, that guy seems like he's pretty good. Nobody thought Tim Duncan was going to be Tim Duncan. Because you weren't quite sure. Is he a forward? Uh, was he a center? And uh, I think going to the Spurs team that was already established, David was there. You ended up getting all-star lineup. Hall of Famers there. And uh, Duncan was the quintessential. He would be almost, and maybe this isn't fair, a modern-day Bill Russell from the standpoint of, what do you want me to do to make the team better? Because I'm going to do it, and they would win. Now, he put up, he was a better offensive player than Bill Russell. Not as good defensively, but, you know, Duncan was, when, when your nickname's the big fundamental, it's not like you're just screaming for highlights there. We didn't fight over the Spurs highlights back there in the Sports Center days. No, I want Duncan's highlights. Nobody did that. Uh, Philadelphia Inquirer columnist uh, criticized the last dance for allowing Jordan to trample all over Jerry Krause. And the column, is this uh, Mike Selsky? It's, I think it's Sielski. Sielski. Yeah, he's the head, head columnist now for the Inquirer. Yeah, he, uh, he said that basically they never should have allowed Jordan to trample on Jerry Krause, uh, you know, who's now deceased. But... Uh, 
in the column, he says that, you know, this really tells you who Jordan was all about. Uh, it's harder to separate the entertainment and nostalgic value of the series from Jordan's agenda, from his desire to preserve his legacy, settle scores and rub his status and greatness in the faces of his real and perceived rivals. One in particular, Jerry Krause, Bulls general manager for 18 years. Yeah, I understand this. I do. Um, but that's who Jordan is. If you're going to show Jordan, then this this is who he is. I mean, Jerry Krause is deceased, but that doesn't stop Michael from getting his side of the story there. You know, Isaiah Thomas, I'm going to tell you my side of the story. That's what this is all about. It's a chance for Michael to, you can say, set the record straight, but he's not really changing anything. This is who he is and who he was. Uh, Jordan apparently can't abide by Krause uh, playing a role in uh, any of the Bulls' success um, with a physique like a honeypot, according to the columnist, and an irascible disposition with his own opinions about how to operate an NBA team. Uh, Mike doesn't give Jerry Krause any credit for the Bulls' success. These are wounds that, you know, the, the Isaiah Thomas stuff. I mean, there are people still talking about Isaiah not making the dream team. And, and I know that Isaiah has to answer this, but how can he answer to it? Hey, I'm one of the great point guards of all time. Maybe people just didn't like me. Uh, you know, nobody wants to. Patrick Ewing didn't want to talk about it today. Barkley didn't want to talk about it. Hey, I don't know. I don't know why he wasn't on the dream team. We do. There has to be a re it drives me crazy with this because you have you have the front office of the Pistons running the dream team. You have the coaching staff, right? GM. Couldn't they have just said, "Hey, we want Isaiah on this team." Did they do they play a role here? The reason why they don't play a role is I honestly think it was discussed privately. This is who we want on the this is who I want on the dream team. And they didn't want to hang with Isaiah. That's all. I, I mean, David Falk, Michael's agent, could have said, hey, by the way, I'm going to be the bad cop here. Mike will play. Because once again, they, they wanted Michael to play. Not needed, but they wanted, they wanted to have the dream team. They wanted to showcase these players. They wanted to have global expansion with basketball. And it did. The impact to the dream team cannot be overestimated with what it meant in these soccer-driven countries now wanting to play basketball. That's what the NBA envisioned. That's what David Stern envisioned. And he told me that. That was the importance. I, we want to showcase our best players. We want global expansion here. We want our games to be uh, broadcast in other countries. And you look at China before what happened you know, in the preseason. Doesn't that seem like a long time ago? And I mean, that's a billion dollar enterprise, the NBA in China. And all these players growing up and seeing that, I just don't think they wanted to hang with Isaiah Thomas. Stockton was going to be in, on his own. Nobody, he was not going to ruffle any feathers. John was just going to go in and be a professional and play. That's it. Barkley got to hang. Bird, Ewing, Jordan got to hang. He got Chuck Daly to play golf with every day. Here is Jack McCallum. He's the author of, he wrote the book on the dream team. And uh, this, uh, courtesy of Fox Sports Radio, Jack McCallum on Isaiah not being on the Dream Team. It's my best information that Chuck never went to the committee and said, I got to have my captain. 
So there was a lot more people than Jordan, you know, involved in this decision. And McCloskey was a powerful member of that committee. I mean, Jack said that, you know, he resigned because Isaiah wasn't on there. But my information is that there wasn't a lot of table pounding by the two Piston people that were in the best position to get Isaiah on the team. Yeah, we can blame Jordan. You can blame some of the other players there. But, I mean, the Pistons didn't. Chuck Daly was the head coach here. I just think this came down to the environment. They didn't want... Isaiah was a better point guard than John Stockton. If you're going to ask Michael to do something for you... Now, it did help Michael in the Jordan brand. But if you're asking Michael, hey, I want you... I need you to play for the Dream Team. I need you to play. And you say to Mike, I got a three-week... I got a month vacation for you. You get to play golf... You get to have some fun. You get to dunk on some you know, countries that aren't very good in basketball. And you can showcase Air Jordan. Um, are, you, are you up for it? Who else is on the team would be my first question. And when he says who's on the team, you know what he is referring to. And he says it in the documentary. I feel bad for Isaiah that he's got to answer these questions of not being liked. Because really that's what it comes down to. Bill Beer doesn't give a damn if you like him or not. Isaiah, but Bill Beer wasn't on the dream team. Isaiah cares what you think about him. Bill Beer did not, does not. And it's, it, you know, I understand where Isaiah's got to answer these questions. Like, why weren't you on the dream team? Why weren't you on the dream? And he doesn't know. All you need to see is that Mike in that, when he has that documentary, when he hears Isaiah say something about Michael, and then he basically curses after that, he respects Isaiah. He doesn't like Isaiah. So why would he go, hey, I don't like you, but come on, have some fun with the Dream Team. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. The Pistons front office there with Chuck Daly, Isaiah deserved to be on the Dream Team. I mean, if you want to start taking out people, Isaiah would be one of the top five players you would probably have on the Dream Team back then. Larry was past his prime. You could say Chris Mullen, okay, wonderful player, absolutely. But, you know, it, Isaiah was better. Uh, do I look at uh, Clyde Drexler? And you know, I mean, that's, I hate doing it, but if you were saying, you know, that guy or this guy, well, I think Michael wanted to have fun. And I don't blame him. You look at the power that Mike had. Michael had so much power the last year of his career. He said to the NBA, you can shoot all of this, but it's mine. Imagine the power. You can shoot all this documentary, all this footage. I sign off on it. That's power. And that's why we have a documentary, because Michael said, now we can do it. LeBron just won his third title. Let's put it out. Let's give people a taste of what that was all about and why there is no discussion of who's the greatest player of all time. And I'm going to settle some scores. I'm going to rub it into some people. I don't stop. I never stop. This is who I am. This is who I will always be. 20 after the hour, this is the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app, 
by searching FSR. RockAuto.com, rock on. RockAuto.com, all the parts your car, truck, whatever you need. RockAuto.com, a family business founded by automotive engineers in 1999. Two goals in mind. First, to give people direct access to all the parts information hidden in those computers and catalogs behind the parts store counter. And second, they make the parts affordable. They offer reliably low prices. RockAuto.com, choose your part brands, prices, features you want anytime, 24-7. And uh, if you've been told dealer only or no longer available, don't believe them until you try rockauto.com. Make sure you tell them we sent you, right, Dan Patrick, in the how did you hear about us box so they know that uh, we sent you all the parts your car, truck, whatever you need. Rockauto.com. Mike Florio on loan from profootballtalk.com. And judging from the liquor stash behind you in the bar, Mike, you're doing pretty well. Well, yeah, not 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 yet, though. Not this morning. It's still early, but later today I'll be doing very well. Thank All right. You. Well, thanks for joining us uh, from the barn. The NFL's overall strategy here, full speed ahead, you know, with the draft, we're still going to have it. Was there any possibility of them not having the schedule release party this Thursday? Well, you know, there was a report last week that the league office had been debating whether to delay it because once you release the dates, presumably tickets are for sale. Do you get yourself into a situation where you've got to deal with processing refunds? How do you deal with all of that? But the NFL ultimately decided to go forward. There is a high level of optimism, Dan, that they are going to get the season in. Now, will they have to delay it by a month or so to accommodate allowing people to attend games? And as crazy as that sounds, there is confidence within the league office that people will be able to attend games if they choose to do so, that the world will be very different come September or October. But there continues to be this sense that this is what they need to do. There's a ton of money that is riding on it. Plus, they believe they're doing a public service to those of us who are desperate for sports to return. I was also wondering about this because I think we both heard from sources that, you know, if there's a truncated season, let's say it's 12 games or 14 games, where do they take those two games or four games from? It, it, you know, from non-conference, the front of the schedule, back of the schedule? Yeah, I don't know at this point, but it does make sense to look at the schedule very carefully when it comes out to look for those clues. That's the first thing I'm going to do. There's been speculation that the interconference games will be mm. the first four weeks of the season, and those would be the ones that would most easily be wiped out or maybe taken away and put on that back end of the schedule. Dan, I think it is very possible that the season would be delayed by up to a month to accommodate the ability to have open stadiums, that politically it's going to be delicate in states like California to get the governors to sign off on the idea of letting anyone who chooses to show up, understanding the risks, and, and testing will be much more prevalent by then. It'll be easier for people to know if they've had this virus via antibody testing. But if delaying it a month allows every state that has an NFL stadium to get to the point where they'll say, go ahead, let people show up if they choose to, that's what they would do. And then I guess they could take those first four games and tack them onto the back end of the season if that's what they choose to do. But I'm going to be looking for that flexibility that may kind of scream out from the schedule the moment that it's released. And I was told that, you know, maybe we, we push back the Super Bowl, but I was told that the NFL would love to have the Super Bowl over President's Day weekend. You get that Monday off, so now you have that built-in holiday that people keep asking for, the unofficial day after the Super Bowl. What do you think about that? Oh, they've been trying to get the Super Bowl to President's Day weekend for as long as I've been covering the NFL, I think. They really want to do it. And an 18th game 
will do it. But before we get to an 18th game, this is a way to bump the Super Bowl back a couple of weeks and get it on President's Day weekend. But look, the mere fact that there would be a Super Bowl this year, given everything we've gone through in and of itself is a holiday. So just getting the season in, getting the Super Bowl played. I know it seems weird now because we're still in the early days, relatively speaking, of this pandemic. But I have been told with a very high degree of confidence that the world will be much different come August and September, and it will be a lot easier for sports teams to operate, not like they normally would, but in a way that actually makes sense and that that manages the risks of people getting the virus. He's Mike Florio. You can check him out Monday through Friday, 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern. And uh, he's also on the Dan Patrick radio channel. That's Sirius uh, Channel 211. Uh, best case scenario for Cam Newton now is what? Wait, wait for someone to get injured. We had a graphic on the show yesterday of all the starting quarterbacks that were injured last year. Remember early in the year, Cam Newton was gone week two. Ben Roethlisberger was gone week two. Drew Brees was gone week two, although he came back. And I think for Cam Newton at this point, with all the seats taken, with the Patriots showing no inclination to try to add him to their depth chart, you just wait for someone to get hurt. And you just assume that it'll happen. And if it doesn't, well, you keep waiting. But there isn't an opportunity out there for him. He's not going to take the Andy Dalton package of $3 million minimum plus the ability to make up to $7 million. He's just not going to do that. He's going to wait for someone to say, Cam, you are our guy. And the other reality, too, and this is what hurt him this year, the inability to go get checked out by a team doctor because he's got the foot surgery from last year the shoulder surgery from the year before that caused him to change his throwing motion, Dan. That's how serious that situation was. He's got to get checked out before a team will sign him. And I think at this point, he should just wait until the season starts and someone calls and says, we need you right now. I had somebody say this to me yesterday, and they said, um, what about Cam in Pittsburgh? And I said, it's tricky because I don't – that means what about Ben with Cam in Pittsburgh? And I don't know how long Ben is going to play. And if you bring Cam Newton to town, it's an upgrade over what you have. But does Cam fit into what Pittsburgh wants to do or it will be doing after the Ben era is over? And what's he going to want financially? That's the other side of it, too. And one of the things you have to take into account is that if you bring Cam Newton onto a team, you, you better be secure in your starter because instantly you're going to have guys in the locker room who look at Cam and look at your starter they look at Cam they look at your starter, and it's not going to take many practices before they start saying Cam is the better guy. Now, in Pittsburgh, that's not going to be the case, but I think that's one of the inherent problems of him being a backup anywhere because he's better than most starters. So in Pittsburgh, yeah, it would make sense to have a better backup. I just don't think it makes sense for Cam to commit to being a backup anywhere when he can just sit back and wait for someone to get injured. We've been at this a long time, and we know how negotiations go. And you, like the the Cowboys situation now borders, maybe it is embarrassing, not borders on. It's been embarrassing with Dak Prescott. It feels like there's a price, and that's it. That's the price, and if you pay the price, then we move on. Feels like everybody else got their price. Dak is saying, this is what my price is. What is the price? Like, what is the holdup here where they just don't say, this is we're giving you 35 a year Dak. here it is let's go let's move forward well here's the lesson that all teams can take from the cowboys experience with Dak prescott the longer you wait the more expensive it will get the moment you know this is your guy pay him and pay him now because it's not going to get any cheaper the chiefs need to be listening 
to that as it relates to Patrick Mahomes. The Texans need to be listening to it as it relates to Deshaun Watson. The longer you wait, the more expensive it gets. And here's where they are now. It's very simple now, Dan. It has nothing to do with the market. They've applied the exclusive franchise tag to Dak Prescott. That's $31.4 million this year. A 20% raise next year. That's another $6.2 million on top of the 31.4. That's almost $37.5 million next year. You put it together, it's $69 million over two years. There's your $35 million per year right there. And if Dak goes year to year by year three, 2022, he's entitled to a 44% raise over what he makes next year. You're talking about astronomical numbers, and the only alternative is to let him hit the open market. So he has them over a barrel, and it's their own fault because they waited this long. So all he does is sits back and waits, and he's guaranteed $31.4 million this year. The only, the only weapon the Cowboys have left, and I don't think they'll ever use it, they just rescind the tender. And think about that. If they would remove the tender right now and make Dak Prescott a free agent, who in the hell is going to pay him $31.4 million? Who can? Everybody's got their starters. So he would be screwed financially if the Cowboys use their nuclear option of saying, all right, we're taking away the franchise tender. You're a free agent. You wanted to be a free agent. Go ahead and be one now. Good luck finding a team. Andy Dalton's signing was smart to have a backup or leverage against Dak? Well, it's smart to have a backup. And here's the other thing, too. Let's say that the Cowboys and Dak Prescott don't work out a long-term deal by the deadline of July 15. That's the annual drop-dead date for doing a long-term deal with a franchise tag player. If you don't do that deal, the player can still stay away from training camp in the preseason at no financial penalty because he's not under contract. Le'Veon Bell did that in 2017, showed up right before the start of the season, made his full franchise tag salary. So now they've got protection against Dak doing that because otherwise Cooper Rush was going to be your starting quarterback for training camp in the preseason. Now, if Dak does stay away, they at least have Andy Dalton that they can get ready to go. And then it makes for an intriguing decision if it plays out that way. Dalton is ready to go. He knows Mike McCarthy's offense. Dak shows up a week before the first game and says, hey, I'm here. Give me the football. Mike McCarthy may say, we're going to go with the guy who's ready to play at least for a week or two. Mm. That could make things even worse. But it all comes back to the Cowboys not paying Dak the moment they could after that third regular season finale. Yeah. That's when the window opens to pay a guy. The sooner you pay him, the cheaper it's going to be. I'll leave you with this with the Packers' plan, the the overall game plan here. Give me the strategy just because I, I, don't, I don't understand it, but, you know, you're smarter than I am. I, no, no, listen, I, no, I'm not, first of all. And second of all, I don't know what the hell the game plan is. Sometimes the plan is there is no plan, and it may be as basic – as just trying to ensure that you get the absolute best out of Aaron Rodgers over the next couple of seasons because he's going to be pissed off that you went out and drafted his eventual replacement. Dan, they invested a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick on a guy who at best is a project with a high ceiling, but nobody knows where that ceiling is going to be. Less than 20 months after they signed Aaron Rodgers to a four-year extension, think about that. They've paid him almost $82 million for 2018 and 2019 combined to have a contract that lasts four more years with him. Now those four years have been undermined by the decision to not invest that first round pick in a receiver or someone that will help the team win, but in a guy who's going to take over at some point down the road for Aaron Rodgers. It makes no sense to me. And a point that Chris Sims made that I think is just genius. If they had a real owner in Green Bay, yeah. if they had a Jerry Jones, if they had a Jeffrey Lurie, a Robert Kraft, one person 
who signs off on these moves. Would one owner have ever said, sure, go ahead and draft a quarterback in round one, 20 months after you convinced me to sign Aaron Rodgers to this massive contract? Yeah, that makes sense. Well, maybe I am a genius because, yeah, I I said the same thing on the show that Chris said, that if you had an owner, I don't think if Aaron – I think you go to that owner like Tom Brady went to, you know, Robert Kraft. I I can go to you. There's a problem here. Uh, Or the owner goes to the player and says something. You're run by a committee. And I think that that factored into the Aaron Rodgers situation. I really do. And, Dan, I also think CEO Mark Murphy – I think he relishes that that just that whiff of dysfunction and acrimony. He thinks that gets more out of Aaron Rodgers. He said it last year after that Bleacher Report item came out that threw a lot of gasoline on whatever was smoldering between Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. Mark Murphy liked what that could mean for the team, and they went 13-3. and So maybe Murphy thinks, hey, let's piss this guy off because he's <laughs> going to play better if he's upset. Oh, I think it's crazy, but – I, I, for us, no complaints. Oh, I know. Right? Hey, I, we, we, we don't choose the stories. The stories choose us. Oh, that's why when Gronk wants to come back, sure, come on back, Gronk. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I hope he's safe. But if he wants to come back, hey, it's his life. Great, you know. I. By the way, I, I have two Tampa Bay T-shirts left, and if you would like one, because we were told to cease and desist, we can't sell them anymore. I don't know if you'd like to. If, would you like a Tampa Bay? T-shirt. I, is, is, am I going to get a cease and desist? No, 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 no. I got it. I got okay. the cease and desist. You're sure, a lawyer. You're, yeah, you, we heard from Brady's law firm. If we fought this, Mike, now we came up with the idea four weeks prior that we were, we were going to have Tampa Bay T-shirts. We tweeted it out. We built the shirt. How would we have done against a huge law firm? Well, I've never fully researched the issue, which means I don't know what the hell I'm about to say here, but that's the reality. Do you want to take on Tom Brady and the legal muscle that he would bring down on you? And and I really do think, I don't think Tom Brady has any desire to market Tampa Bay t-shirts. He just wants to be able to tell everyone else not to, plain and simple. So I would not take on hashtag Tom. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for that sound legal right. advice there, Mike. I'll take this shirt. I'm an XL. I'm Good. massive. Oh. Send it to me. Whoa. Well, the hair, the hair makes you, you know, if I was giving you a hat, well, I'd give you a big hat. Be, between being trapped inside and not being very far away from the refrigerator and not being able to get to the barber, I probably added 20 pounds and 18 of its hair. You're BJ Raji is uh, what you're saying there. <laughs> thank you, Mike. See you, Dan. That's Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. We'll come back. Final call for phone calls. We'll close up shop after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Oh, we got a winner on Fritzy's scoreboard. The winner is Joe in Michigan, uh, 33 and 14. The hint is I'm hooked. This guy's a hit. So this Correct. guy's a hit is Pete Rose at 14. May 5th, 1978, 3,000 hits. I'm hooked. I'm thinking that that is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Wow. With the hook. How did I do? May 5th, 1969, buck sign, number one NBA draft pick, UCLA center, Lou Alcindor. Kareem is the hook shot. I'm hooked. And you got it. Pete Rose, 3,000 hits in 1978. Oh, nice. Number 14. All well, thank you. Congratulations, Joe. Uh, Dan in Ohio joins us. Hi, Dan. What's on your mind today? 
Hey, good morning, Dan. Hope you're doing well. Yes. Uh, I just wanted to tell you, man, the Patrick Ewing interview was absolutely amazing. Never a big fan of Patrick playing, but listening to him, listening to him talk, telling stories was great. Thank um, you. I wanted to let you know I started listening to your show uh, just shortly after you guys started in 2008. I was driving 85,000 miles a year. You guys were in the car with me every day. Uh, keeping me sane and doing the same thing during this time. So want to say thank you guys for all you're doing. Keep up the good work. Much respect and much appreciated. Thank you, Dan. Safe travels. We appreciate that. Most regular season and playoff games played versus Michael Jordan. Patrick Ewing and Joe Dumars faced Michael Jordan 70 times. Bill Lane Beer in there at 66. Mark Jackson at 65. Isaiah Thomas at 65. Most career playoff games versus Michael Jordan. Patrick Ewing with 27. Charles Oakley also 27. That's why Patrick was a little apprehensive about coming on. Because as we all know, Michael always got the last word. And he was always the one that was advancing, certainly past the New York Knicks. But I appreciate Patrick coming on. And, and there are certain guests you have on. And if you're able to share what you know about them, it, you know, it's a, it, it's a gift that I love giving to people where you say, hey, you're going to want to listen to this interview. You may not know that much about, you may have an opinion about this person. Patrick Ewing is one of those players, personalities, people that you're able to do that because you go, that's Patrick Ewing. And he, he kept it himself, kept it to himself. Jimmy in Chicago joins us, and then we'll do this day in sports history. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Dan. Uh, you were talking earlier about who else should be on the uh, who should have been on the dream team. Uh, Isaiah definitely number one. I would say. Um, I think it was because it was so recent that the year before that they lost to Chicago and they walked off the court. Uh, a little bit of karma going back to him, but I, I was watching an interview he did on ESPN recently talking about it, and he almost for a second he wanted to like break down and, and start crying. Like, I think it's just so emotional for him. Um, even after all these years to talk about it, it's just, I think it gets even tougher after this time. Um, and then number two, definitely Dominique. Uh, I think Dominique Wilkins is probably the most underrated player um, in NBA history being left off that, off that team. And the 50 greatest in 97, I, I was just shaking my head on that as well. So, um, And then Isaiah, like, yeah, this, his, own, his own coach coaching the team, and he's not on the team in 92, that that was just hard for my bet. And uh, one thing I just wanted to add, uh, watching the first couple episodes of The Last Dance was uh, Jordan saying how beating Detroit almost was uh, as gratifying as maybe even winning the championship that year. Um, that was like some, a wow moment for me. So Yeah, you're right. And thank you, Jimmy. Thank you for those comments. Keep in mind, Chuck Daly had quit, retired, stepped down two months prior to coaching the Dream Team. He wasn't Isaiah's coach anymore, but he had been his coach. He didn't have to answer to anybody, but I, I, I think you just use logic with this. Yeah. You don't have to say it. You already know it. People knew that Michael didn't like Isaiah. People knew that he didn't like the uh, Pistons. And if I'm going to have Michael come over to my house... I'm having a party. I got Bird. I got Patrick Ewing. Molly's going to be there. Uh, John Stockton's going to be there. Chuck Daly's going to be there. I, I, you know, you don't have to. He doesn't have to say, is Isaiah going to be there? I know not to invite Isaiah <laughs> to a party if I'm going to have Mike come over. That's all. 
It's like when, you know, the pitcher hits a batter and then they're asked by the media after, hey, did uh, the manager uh, order that? No. You knew what to do. He didn't have to tell you. That's how I think this played out. I feel bad for Isaiah because he's answering this now. You know, he has kids or grandkids, and then they want to know, why do people not like you, Dad? Or why does Michael Jordan not like you? Back then, you own it. Hey, Michael hates me so much that he doesn't have me on the dream team. I get it. But Isaiah brought some of this on himself, okay? You, you can say Jordan's petty. Isaiah brought it on himself as well. All right, Paulie, this day in sports history. Uh, 1904, the third perfect game in Major League history is thrown by Cy Young of the Boston Red Sox. Overrated. Yeah, he, later that year, he did yeah. not win the Cy Young Award. In 2004, <laughs> it was announced that Spider-Man 2 ads would be digitally shown on bases in Major League Baseball games the weekend of June 11th and 13th. That was not good. The next day, the overwhelming <laughs> negative reaction caused that plan to be canceled. By Major League Baseball. Oh, I know. We were on the air that way. Yeah, we were. I didn't help the commissioner's cause as I said, what are you doing? No, you did not. No, I did not. What did you learn today, Todd? Someone broke into Patrick Ewing's home, stole his gold medals. How could you do that? That's so sad. really is. Uh, McLovin, what did you learn today? Brooks Kepka said his buddy uh, Bubba Watson wouldn't be able to carry his own bag. Seton O'Connor Jr. the third. Paul is considering a 27-hour flight to go kick John in New Zealand's ass. <laughs> <laughs> Paulie, what'd you learn? To the guys who stole Patrick Ewing's oh. gold medals, I have a special set of skills. Paulie is coming after you. What we learned brought to you by 1-800-Flowers this Mother's Day. 1-800-Flowers has limited delivery, so it's important. Lock in your order today. Right now, 1-800-Flowers has beautiful Mother's Day gifts and bouquets to order. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click on the radio icon, enter code Patrick. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you tomorrow here on the Dan Patrick Show.